Here at Gays Talking Straight, we care about your overall health and well-being. We are not medical experts or healthcare professionals. Nothing we say should be construed as medical advice. If you have questions or concerns about your health or well-being, please contact your healthcare provider. Welcome to Gays Talking Straight. I'm your host, Richard Lamberty. I'm here today with Lynn Wheeler, a local mental health professional. Welcome, Lynn. Thank you Thank so much for coming. I'm glad to be here. Please take a moment and tell us just a little bit about yourself. Well, I've been in practice in Longwood for 24 years before that. I also worked for hospice for 13 years. Uh, I got my master's degree and did uh, 3,000 hours post-master's. I'm a certified national counselor, and uh, I'm uh, registered with the state of Florida so that I can also uh, supervise people that have just graduated and they're just starting and they have to have uh, so many hours of face-to-face -face with a supervisor. So I also work with people just coming into the field and um, um, I'm licensed by the state as well. Wonderful. So. I am so glad to have you here. We've known each other for several years now through mm -hmm. the Orlando Gay Chorus and you're a lot of fun but you've also been a tremendous help to the chorus itself and to people in the chorus. I'm sure that your patients are very glad to have your experience, um, and so are we. Well, thank you. We had talked about wanting to look at the concepts of guilt and shame. So the first thing I'd like to do is let's figure out what, what do those words mean? When, when, when I say guilt, what's guilt? What is, what is shame? And I think I told you a story about someone, I don't remember who, gave me this definition of guilt that I kind of like. And it, I don't know how accurate it is. So guilt is an experience that I create when I want to feel better about having done something I know I shouldn't have done or not having done something I should have done. So like guilt is how I make myself feel better, better about it. I was like, oh. But it resonated for me when he told me that. In your practice, when somebody is dealing with guilt, what is guilt? Well, guilt and shame are obviously two different things, but they're both, I think, very adaptive behaviors. Um, guilt, I think, comes about because we want to change a behavior, and I don't know if it always makes you feel better. It kind of makes you feel worse, and it's that uncomfortableness that makes you want to do something different. So when you let's say you do something wrong, and then you you know really feel crummy, and you and that can be guilt, and that's a kind of an external manifestation of, of what you did, and then you internalize it, and you think, man, I, I feel so bad about that. I feel guilty. I don't want to do that anymore because it makes me feel bad. Now, you know, we've had a conversation, too, about sometimes people want to unload their guilt by, by telling somebody else, what they did, like in a relationship. For some people, it might make them feel better, but it depends on who they're talking to and the reason that they're doing that. What about shame? So what is shame? Well, shame is much more destructive. Shame is something that's inside of ourselves. And the difference is, it, let's say um, I do something wrong and I say, um, I, I'm sorry, I made a mistake if I feel guilty. If I feel shame, 
I tell myself, I'm so sorry, and I am a mistake. And that's the difference. It's like, it's not the act. All of a sudden, the act becomes who we are. The difference between, I am a mess, I made a mess. Yes, that's, that's the whole thing right there. It, it gets internalized. But where, what's the source of that thinking? Well, it can come from many different sources. Some of it comes from how we're raised. Um, uh, when we are, have shame-based parents that want to shame us, um, I came up in an evangelical fundamental background. And so, you know, we were raised on guilt and whatever was going to happen next, you know, we were going to go to hell over the silliest little things. And so this was just a part of my constant growing up guilt. I don't know if it was so shame-based, but it was definitely guilt. And so uh, for many kids, I think it's parents manipulate by making them feel a certain way. With the with feeling ashamed, that's something that we do ourselves. And that's about self-talk and what we tell ourselves. So let me, let me ask, I, I have this thing in my head that kind of says that message, that self-talk had to come from somewhere. Was that maybe a message that a, a, an influential figure, a parent, a sibling, a friend said about me, oh, you're such a mess. Then I internalize that and it becomes my identity. Mm-hmm. Or maybe a social message. The, uh, our society has ways that we're supposed to be. And if we internalize them enough, they can be our source of shame. Because I, I get the idea. I'm standing in front of the mirror. What I say to myself, that negative voice in my head, that's that shame voice. But I think in a lot of cases, I didn't necessarily make it up. Somebody gave me that message or somewhere that message came to me, and then I took it and put it inside myself, made it a part of who I am instead of just circumstances or situation that I have. Uh, You get this message, and it does come from family. It can come from teachers. Uh, It can come from... um, you look at magazines and, you know, all kinds of things can uh, cause you to have a lot of negative talk. I mean, nobody has to beat most of us up. We're our, I mean, we're our best critic. Probably nobody has to ever tell you what's wrong with you. You probably can do it better than anybody else and do a fine job. Highly skilled. Yeah, I'm, I'm highly skilled yeah. at that. Uh, me too. And so what I talk with my uh, uh, clients about, I say, you know, it's just as easy to have a, a cheerleader on your shoulder as it is to have a critic. So let me ask about this. What can we do when we've got that voice on our shoulder, you know, telling me I'm fat, I'm ugly, you know, nobody wants to date the redhead. I got a lot of voices in my mm-hmm. head and they're all mine. Is that because and- <laughs> you've got this little redhead? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Carpet matches the drapes, I'm just saying, okay, gotcha. for future reference if it comes okay. up. The, that voice, though, I, I can say some pretty awful things to myself. How do I develop shame resilience? How do I develop that other voice that's giving me a message that's empowering, that embraces me for who I am, that, that makes myself a person that I love? What do I, what's that process? What do I do? Well, I think it almost sounds hokey when we talk about mindfulness sometimes. But first, to be mindful and aware of what we tell ourselves. 
And when we become aware of all the negative messages, we send ourselves on a daily basis, many people, several times a day, all day long. So when you become aware of it, you can stop yourself. And a lot of it's self-talk by simply saying, stop. I mean, you can say it out loud to yourself. You can sit down and uh, I, I will have people make a list and I'll say, tell me 10 good things about yourself. And they'll go, well, I'm, I'm, I'm a good driver. I mean, I mean, and they can do two or three. And I can tell them 10 good things about themselves. Um, but, but ask them to do 10 things that make them feel guilty oh or Oh, my gosh. They could go, you know, only 10. And they can go on and on and on. So uh, one of the things that I have people do is uh, I have them kind of turn the lights down low and I have them take a, a hand mirror and uh, hold it up to their face and they play. Remember that old Joe Cocker song, You Are So Beautiful to Me? Anyway, I have them play that song and I have them look at themselves and I say, this isn't to look at uh, your bad complexion, your crow's feet. Uh, you're not doing any kind of check. I want you to look into your own eyes and I have them play this song, You Are So Beautiful to Me, and look into their own eyes and not look at anything else but that. And listen for the entire song and just look into their own eyes. And I would say 90% of people that do that, they start to weep and they cry. And they said they had no idea that when they looked into a mirror and they looked into their own eyes and they listened to this song, that it would um, evoke so many different kinds of emotion. And um, some because they think, oh, this is everything I don't feel about myself. And the goal is to know that you are so beautiful to me. You're everything I ever hoped for. You're everything I ever dreamed. I know there's only like probably four or five lines in that whole song that's repeated over and over again. But to, to have that concept of knowing I'm enough by myself and to look in the mirror and just look in your eyes. And, you know, sometimes we very seldom really look at ourselves anyway. But to look at yourself in the eyes, the window of the soul, and to listen to those words and try and bring those into the uh, very depth of who you are and your being. Wow, what, a, what an amazing thing to do. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to imagine... Does it make you want to run home and get your mirror kinda, out? Actually, like, kind of. It's like, where do I have a mirror I'd, I'd that's like not you to do full it and length just... and on the bed? Um, but no, really, that's... What an amazing idea. And yet I can completely think about how confronting it might be as mm -hmm. well. That's creating, listening to that voice mm -hmm. and, and that message of beauty and seeing it in your own eyes and seeing into your own soul. That would be very powerful. I, I may actually go home and do that tonight. All right. I'd be very interested in talking to you after I you do I promise I'll let you know. I really, I would really like to know that no, because I, almost, I would say almost every one of my um, patients, clients who have ever done this come back and it's a very uh, moving 
experience. And I mean, I have people roll their eyes and, you yeah. know, like, please, you know. Well, when you were first describing it, it was I'm like, like mm. I know, you're like, really? Joe, some people don't even know who Joe Cocker is. Well, but, they're unfortunate know. people. Yeah. But uh, uh, they'll do it. And it's amazing what they come back and, and how they felt when they did that about themselves. And that's really about self-love. And we could talk about, well, what does that have to do with shame or with guilt? But the more we love ourselves, the more we're willing to let go of shame. Well, again, if you don't love yourself, how can you really love another person? That, that if, if I think mm-hmm. I'm ugly, if I think I'm unworthy, how can I create worthiness in that relationship? Mm-hmm. So somewhere it's got to start. Mm-hmm. I think that there's probably a lot more that we can say about any of this. Oh, yeah. And we're going to have to find a time to so, do so. Well, it's been a pleasure talking with you. And uh, I've enjoyed it Likewise. So much. Likewise. I'm sure that we will have you back soon. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Gays Talking Straight. Special thanks to our guest, Lynn Wheeler. You can find our videos at www.youtube.com slash Straight. That's S-T-R number eight. Gays Talking Straight is recorded at Timaqua in Orlando, Florida www.timacua.com, Timaqua, where they've been making art since 2000. Our executive producer is Judy Wallace, directed by Raphael Pagnon, video and audio by Benoit Glazer, who also wrote and performed our theme music. Our social media manager is Nathaniel Butler. Sabah O is our researcher and floor manager. I'm your host, Richard Lamberti. Thank you for being a part of Gaze Talking Straight.